All right, cross your fingers and pray to the internet gods. <laughs> I feel like we do need to do like a, not a snow dance, but like a internet dance. <laughs> internet Some kind dance. of work with us internet. Crossing my fingers. Have you seen the movie Nope yet? Nope. <laughs> do I plan to see the movie? Nope. Oh, why not? I don't like horror movies. It's, um... it's not like horror horror like terrifying horror it's like uh thriller horror is it like m night Shyamalan? no it's kind of got this older like 90s vibe to it jurassic park-ish almost it there's some gore and there are okay now that i think about it there are a couple like really disturbing things but if you close your eyes You get through it. I'm not really a horror fan either, but I love Jordan Peele movies. They're mm. they're just so good. Anyway, the reason I brought this up or thought about it was before we started recording, everybody, we were having internet difficulties, and Stephanie was like, "We got we got back on and it was working." She's like, "Just don't look directly at it." <laughs> you don't want to spook the internet. Yeah, there's a whole like she spooks easy. There's a whole thread of that in that movie and oh. i immediately thought about how if they didn't look certain things in the eye then bad things wouldn't happen <laughs> i'm not really into horror movies either but i will say i have watched a few movies that would be considered i guess in the horror category one of them was smile nope <laughs> <laughs> which by the way in nope that's like one of the best parts of the movie is everything terrifying that happens the lead character literally is like nope and that's exactly how you feel the whole time Uh you're watching it yeah there was something about the movie smile i just i saw a preview and i thought this could be a really good movie so i'll wait till the reviews come out because i don't want to see some campy crappy horror film Uh the reviews were great and it is so good it's an allegory very disturbing allegory but it's it's insanely good so if anybody wants to get terrified, oh. don't watch it alone, though. Just don't watch it alone. Okay. <laughs> I only like to watch scary movies around Halloween, though. That's like a thing. Okay. I've just never got on that boat. No. Nope. <laughs> Not like Scream or anything like that? Oh, well, I guess I've watched Scream. Yeah. But I don't really consider that to be like a... Because it's kind of... It's super like campy intentionally. Yes. <laughs> and kind of funny, too. Yes. So that's... That's about as far as I go. Okay, okay. You can do I've like... never seen like Friday the 13th. I've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. No. No, none of that. I don't think I've ever seen either of those either. I have seen Halloween. What about The Exorcist? No? Oh, no. God, it's so good. No. Nope. <laughs> I've probably seen clips of it. Yeah. But I've never watched it like beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. The Shining, never watched it. Same. Maybe that'll be next after our... <laughs> Welcome to the Viola-Centric Podcast. We are two curious violists finding inspiration through authentic and challenging conversations in the professional music world. I'm Liz. And I'm Steph. Let's jump in the deep end. How's it going? Good. Yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. (gasps) That's right! And I can't believe it. It's like such an unevent anymore you know when you're a kid it's like super duper special and it'll be fun but mostly just because i'm going to let myself do things that i don't normally do like i'm going to go to starbucks and get my free drink because it's free yeah and i'm going to stick it to the man 
You don't have to pay $8 for it. Exactly. Oh, happy birthday a day early. Thanks. Just treat yourself. Yeah, and it's a school day, so my kids will be in school, and I have the day to do what I want to do. Is anybody going to do anything special for, like, dinner or... Oh, I think we're going out for dinner, but I don't know where. You don't know where? Mm -mm. You don't get to pick? I do, but I don't have super strong opinions or desires in that department, so I'm making my own cake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I baked like you, I would make my own cake, too. But I'm making a pie instead. So it's Ooh, birthday pie. Birthday pie? What are you making? Yeah. I'm making a chocolate mousse pie, mm. which should be pretty easy. Yeah. I'm just like, to have a whole cake around, I'm going to eat like a slice, maybe two slices. So that's what's happening. Nothing super duper special, but... Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. I love it. How about you? What's new with you? Uh, I don't know. I, it's Things are crazy right now. <laughs> So up yeah. and down, lots of things going on. I'm sort of in like just one day to the next mode for the next week or so. I would say traveling a lot. And so also it's really cold now. And I I just never do well with that adjustment. <laughs> now I'm ready to go on vacation somewhere warm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you. Yeah. I, I went to my new workout studio this morning and I did like an 8, 15 a.m. class. Whoa. Which okay. is. Okay. How'd it feel? Great. It's good. This one felt a little like, I was like, all right, now we're doing this. It's okay. You can move like this at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Your body needed a little pep talk. My body really needed a pep talk because I, I did. I was doing some moves. And I was like, I could do this the other day at nine o'clock and now I can't at eight o'clock. But I'm, I am trying to shift my clock a little earlier because I got very excited about the fact that I was done working out at 9.05 and that gave me an extra... Like an extra hour and a half to get stuff done. Yeah. So trying to give myself more time in the day. Start my day a little earlier. I did my morning pages before I went to work out. Wow. Very proud of myself. That's amazing. I haven't done my morning pages yet. And it's not going to be morning by the time I do them. That's okay. They don't always have to be. Yeah. For those who don't know what we're referring to when we talk about morning (laughs) pages, morning pages are part of the artist's way, which we just started two Tuesdays ago with our group and we're into week one right now which is pretty intense but it's good intense it's good work it's good it really makes you examine things and like figure out the whys behind your reactions Mm -hmm. and your behaviors I'm really enjoying it there is still time so if you want to join us on this journey all you got to do is go to our patreon and become a basic brotch It's $5 a month and we'll send you a link and you can join us. It's a really amazing community, great people, really safe place. Yeah, the perspectives that have been shared already are just so great, so vulnerable. Everybody has something different to say and contribute. And then it gives everyone else a moment to just reflect on their perspectives in their own mind. And yeah, it's just fantastic. By the time you hear this, we will just be talking about week two. So it's really early on. It's a 12-week journey. And I imagine we'll have a couple of weeks off, like right around the holidays. So Yes, exactly. You'll have time to catch up if that's what you want to do. So if you want to join us, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Shall we get into it? Well, do we want to thank our newest patrons? Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. So our patrons who are part of our group, 
and we're very excited to have them. We'd like to give a shout out to Mike and Chris and Katie, Tiffany, Nathan, and Rizwan. Thank you all so much for placing value in what we do here. Absolutely. We're very grateful for that. Yeah, we're grateful for you. And we're grateful for all of you that are listening. We understand that not everybody has the means to do that. So thank you for listening. That's right. Now, should we get into it? (laughs) Oh, boy. Yep. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. So, you know, for the title of this, what we're doing here is kind of a new experiment for us. We're doing a rewatch of Mozart in the Jungle episode by episode. And so today we're going to talk about the pilot episode. And I had no idea what to expect getting into this, but... Basically, we're meeting this group of musicians who are involved in the music scene in New York. Yep. The New York Symphony Concert is what it opens with. <laughs> Let's just start there. Well, actually, the first scene... Oh, no, that's that's. Oh, I forgot. Oh, God, the first scene. Yeah. My note for the first scene stuff before you describe it is, ew, first scene, cringe. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a great start. But anyway, so we meet who's like the main character and her name is Mm -hmm. Haley and she plays the oboe. And she's a beautiful girl. She's obviously a freelancer, very young, maybe how old would you say like 20? Yeah, maybe right out of grad school kind of vibe. 22. Teaching a lesson to some rich brat. (laughs) Who has a very fancy New York apartment. Yes. Yes. And okay, did you even see this oboe student with an oboe in his hands? No, he was texting. (laughs) She might be the worst teacher. (laughs) Either she's the worst teacher or he's the worst student. (laughs) But he has his phone in his hands and he's like texting his buddies about his oboe teacher and like how hot she is. Yeah. So I mean, that's the PG version of the (laughs) text. Yeah, so, and then the next scene, uh, we get into the concert, so. Yeah, Josh Bell, of course, of course Josh would do that. It seems like a good role for Josh Bell playing himself. (laughs) Totally. Did you love the aside comments that he and the conductor had when they were taking their bows like that ever happens? (laughs) Uh, What I want to know is what they told him, because obviously he's playing the violin, right? They're playing a recording in the actual show, but he's playing... The Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto. Yeah. And Malcolm McDowell, who plays the conductor. Yeah. And the conductor's name is Thomas. He's just waving his arms willy-nilly, like <laughs> it, a bad imitation of what a conductor does. And Josh is just playing along. He's not looking at the conductor at all. No. What do you think they told him as he's going into this? I mean, well, okay, maybe he's familiar with the book, first of all. Okay. Because, you know. Because he's in it? <laughs> very much might be in it. <laughs> Joshua Bell, please don't add us if you listen to that. <laughs> or maybe add us. I don't know. That'd be funny. Allegedly. We'll say allegedly. <laughs> My guess is they were like, just play. Well, this is the thing. I will give them credit for this. A lot of the musicians in the New York Symphony, air quotes, New York Symphony are actual musicians. You can see they're actually playing mm-hmm. the music, except for the few plants of actors they have in the group. But yeah, I mean, maybe they really played. And everyone just ignored what's his name. He was, I always think of him from being from uh, Entourage. <laughs> he, main, oh. he was a big character in Entourage, that conductor. What is his name in the show? I'm sorry. Oh, his name is Thomas. Thomas. Okay. Thomas, the conductor. Thomas, who is the, the maestro. The maestro who's being, he's being put out to pasture, basically, is what's happening to him in this. This was his final 
conducting performance with the New York Symphony. Right. And um, like every orchestra that exists out there, I'm sure all of us will be familiar with, the executive director of the orchestra after this performance with Joshua Bell comes onto the podium and announces the brand new conductor. Who has a montage video. I know. I wrote about the the montage too. (laughs) The montage video is out of control. Very passionate in the montage video. And by the way, his name is Rodrigo, right? He only needs one name. (laughs) Rodrigo. Is wrong, Rodrigo. <laughs> oh, also, the robust applause from an audience that's probably 50 times the size of any audience that ever hears an orchestra concert. <laughs> Screaming and cheering. Could you imagine? <sighs> that's what we need, more one-name conductors. <laughs> we just don't have enough personalities. Oh, boy. Speaking of form, conductor form, his is really good. Oh, if by good you mean, like, pretty bad. Yeah. But did it with a lot of passion. <laughs> he really did. So, so far, so good. So far, this is, I mean, so far, everything that we saw is very true to form. It's just so funny. I wonder what, like, producers and stuff, what type of research they did, what type of people they think are actually watching this. I literally wrote at the end, did this show actually consult anyone in the classical music world? Which is a legitimate question. And also, I'll never forget. So I have an aunt. Well, you know, I have a huge family. One of my aunts, probably a couple years ago, we were at a family function. And she was like, I want to know, have you ever watched this show, Mozart in the Jungle? And I said, no, I've never seen it. But I've heard it's pretty much not like real life at all. And she's like, I wonder, every time I watch an episode, I wonder if this is what your life is like. (laughs) (laughs) If only. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Now you can say that for sure. Yes. Speaking of, okay, here comes something else really intense, which I thought was like super ridiculous. First of all, I just want to throw in that little after concert chat happening in the alley behind and the two dudes are talking and the one guy says, I had like six glasses of Riesling. That's badass. Yeah, so everyone who's not in classical music is watching and they're like, oh, oh, (laughs) classical musicians love Riesling, apparently. (laughs) And out comes sexy Saffron Burroughs, who has to get a cab 10 minutes away for her next gig that's already started. (laughs) Oh my god. I was having so much anxiety for her. Okay, not only does she play with the New York Symphony... But she also plays on Broadway. <laughs> on the same night. On the same night. And. Very stressful night. She's late <laughs> for her Broadway gig. Okay. If you know anything about Broadway or like contractors or gigging at all, <laughs> can you imagine? That was the first thing I wrote. Late for the show! Exclamation yeah. point. It's so ridiculous. That would never happen. You would never be allowed to be like, yeah, I'm. Just, let me just wrap up my symphony concert at 10 o'clock at night and then hop in a cab and go to my... This is the most ridiculous thing. Which she stole from that poor bass player, Bruno. Yeah, he gave her the cab. Bruno. Yeah, I know. He was hoodwinked. Also, that the oboe player next to her, who Haley comes back into the picture. By the way, yes. what's, what is Saffron Burrow's name? 
Cynthia. Thank you. Cynthia the cellist. I'm going to need you to remind me of these every week. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, Haley is sitting directly next to Cynthia and puts her music out for her on the stand. Like, what? <laughs> so, oh. you know, any cellist friends of ours, if you're, if you're running late for a gig, just check in with the oboe player. They might be able to help you out. Oboe players are pretty great. That is true. But I don't, I don't know that that's their responsibility. <laughs> By the way, this is like, this is a crazy show, right? They're playing this Broadway show. Yeah. And this guy, and I think it's like supposed to be Greek, like Oedipus. He's bleeding from his eyeballs. And he's, he's singing a song. Singing and he, ha- he has like six totally hot female dancer just undulating on the stage i'm like what is this production undulating (laughs) at least they have a sense of humor about that i feel like that one is like tongue-in-cheek well maybe all of it is now that i think about it i haven't thought about it that way yeah like everything is an exaggeration (laughs) yeah anyway so they finish the show and then afterwards (laughs) They wrap it up and Cynthia's like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping me to Haley or whatever. And then the greaseball conductor comes over. The and greaseball. <laughs> and so Cynthia has to like save Haley from this predatory conductor who mm-hmm. wants to like, you know, help her out or whatever after the show. Help her. Quote. Oh, get, drive her home. Right? <laughs> Conductor's driving you home? Sure. <laughs> Cynthia's like, you drink, right? Yeah, she knows what's up. Yeah, she's been around the block, Cynthia. Cynthia has definitely been around the block, which we'll find out later on. She's made her mistakes. She knows the ropes, so to speak. But before that, we have the uh, angry conductor showdown at the party. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so they go to this. It's a fancy party somewhere to announce and celebrate Rodrigo. What was hilarious about this whole showdown? So the old conductor comes to the party and he causes this big scene. And Rodrigo basically has to show that he knows what's up and he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Here comes. And the first thing he says is he calls out one single violinist. He's like, Emily in the first violin section played sharp 17 times. <laughs> In the first movement alone, or whatever he said. (laughs) He referenced bars like 27 to 34, something going wrong in those bars. (laughs) Like, how old the bass player is? What's his name again? Oh, Bruno. And then Bruno comes under attack. Yeah, geez, like attacking Bruno. This guy's a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) He's institutional knowledge, Bruno. Yeah. Nobody should ever, like, ageist somebody, you know? That's what I wrote. (laughs) Poor Bruno suffers an ageist attack. (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay. He suffers a terrible ageist attack. And then also when he says, we'll be making cuts, my question is like, doesn't this orchestra have a CBA? Right. What's what's the union going to say about that? The conductor comes in and is like, I'm just going to cut these players. Like, that's not a thing. (laughs) 
Season three is sponsored by the Arkrest. You know, Liz and I are always being asked about our Arkrests and we're happy to share how much we love them. The freedom of movement has been life-changing for me. Me too. And I love how using the Arkrest allows my instrument to vibrate fully. And depending on how my body's feeling, I can also change the placement of the bass. Although Aaron and Tigran started the company in their home workshop, they've come a long way, continuing to innovate by experimenting with harder and softer woods and even new materials like fiberglass. There are bases for violin, viola, and even for small fractional instruments. And there are foam pads of different thicknesses, so you can find one that fits your body or instrument perfectly. And the guys over at Arcrest are sharing a special discount code for our listeners. Use the code VIOLACENTRIC for 10% off anything on their site. Yes, check out their offerings at thearcrest.com. That's T-H-E-A-R-C-R-E-S-T.com. And don't forget to use the code VIOLACENTRIC. Being freelance musicians means gigging in lots of different places with very unpredictable lighting situations. Oh my gosh, yes. How many times have you shown up to a church gig and wondered if you'll actually be able to see the music by showtime? Many times. Or it's a cocktail hour in a restaurant with ambient mood lighting at best. (laughs) We've all been there and have used those alien looking bendy lights that only light up the top of the page so that by the bottom of the music, you're sometimes just guessing or maybe we'll call it being creative. We didn't know it at the time, but the Aria lights could have saved us lots of eye strain and unplanned improvisation. Yes, and with a rechargeable battery that lasts eight hours, you'll never have to carry backup double A's in your case. You'll just charge it up at home and take the Ari Light to your gig. The battery will even hold a charge for years between uses, not that you would go that long. Thank you so much to Aria Lights for their support this season. Please check them out at ariolights.com. Located in a historic mansion in Tacoma Park, Maryland, you might get the impression that the team at Potter Violins are as formal as the breathtaking building that they work in. But when you go inside, instead you'll find the most relatable, skilled, and friendly staff. Yes, the people at Potter's are what really make it a special place. I love visiting because I know that whoever I work with is not going to make me feel like I'm crazy or just being picky. They're kind of like your favorite bartender. They're great listeners who give you what you need without judgment. (laughs) Yes, their technicians are not only super talented, creative, and resourceful. They take the time to collaborate with you so that the process of getting your instrument at its best really feels like a partnership. So if you're in the area, definitely stop by and introduce yourself to Chris, Rob, Kimberly, Derek, Jim, Melissa, and the whole team, or visit potterviolins.com to find what you need online. It's so fitting then that their shop is in this beautiful old house because the staff at Potter's really makes it feel like home. And so then, then we catch up with Haley and Cynthia, who have gone to a bar. bar. Mm-hmm. Now, this is this scene I can totally. That's kind of true to form. Yeah. So they're talking. They're talking about basically what instrumentalists make the best lovers. And so there's like a very suggestive part there about how violinists are one way and percussionists are another way. <laughs> And conductors are complicated. But dancers are the winners. <laughs> but dancers who are not instrumentalists. <laughs> so clearly this is the way to go. Get away the from moral musicians. of the story <laughs> is avoid orchestral musicians team. Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so then they then they meet, they're having drinks and their server is his name is Alex and yeah. he's 
young and he's a dancer and he's very nice to look at. Training at Juilliard. He's yeah. training at Juilliard. So they <laughs> they call him over and Cynthia's like, this is Haley. And she introduces him and basically implies that they should get to know each other a little bit better. And he invites her to a party and she's like, no, I have to um basically like wash my hair or make reads or whatever. <laughs> Whatever oboists say they have to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sidebar was playing a job last weekend out of town, and I was having drinks with our friend Steven Slater, who was on season one of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And another friend of ours lived like right around the corner, who is an oboe player. And he was texting her like, come on out, come on out. Her reasoning for not coming out was like, I'm so behind on making reads. We're like, just come out anyway. I feel for them. I know. I would never want to have to make reads. That's No, it seems like the purgatory. Did we talk about tinkering on the podcast? <laughs> tinkering? Yeah, how oboists are always tinkering. That came up somewhere. Yes. Did you and I talk about this? <laughs> I don't know. But I know that it's the truth. More power to them because they have so much patience and oh, it's amazing. The like most fickle instruments. Yep. Can you imagine if you had to like carve your bow or put hair on your bow every time before you played? No. I mean, more power to them. I totally agree. It takes a special person. Yep. I'm not that special person. It's an interesting thing that it's the lead character is a is oboe, but it was an oboist who wrote the book, right? Yes. Yeah. I think so. I don't know if they would have gone with oboe if they, if <laughs> I bet it's because oboe is probably a little easier to fake. Oh, yeah, that's true. You just have to put your lips around it. <laughs> okay, oboe players don't add us. But it's probably a little bit easier to... Than a string instrument. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that she played oboe? No. Okay. I don't know. Maybe we should look into this. Maybe we should. Maybe she knew how to play oboe. Maybe she played it like in high school or something. I mean, it was convincing enough to me. Maybe somebody knows. You can chime in and let us know. Yeah, let us know. So Cynthia leaves the bar and she gets into a car and we find out that it's the old conductor in the car. And (laughs) she's like, she's like, pop the trunk. And she's like, don't you know that my cello cost (laughs) $350,000? I'll admit I missed that one. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Okay, Cynthia. <laughs> Cynthia. That's why she could buy all those drinks at the bar. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Do they have a history, the two of them? They must, right? I get the feeling that this conductor feels like he can talk to Cynthia. Yes. About more deep things. That was the impression I got as well. Is that kind of relationship. Like... She's the only one he can really say what he's thinking and feeling yeah, about work. Unfiltered. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I-, I always wonder if conductors have somebody in the orchestra, maybe not this type of relationship, but whatever type of relationship where they can actually find out what the orchestra members are thinking or say what they really think about what's going on in the ensemble. I always wonder if that's like, a would that be a useful thing? Or do they just need to keep that completely like arm's length separate? That's a really interesting thought. I would say that keeping it separate, the idea of the conductor being like, I don't want to blend into this role where it's a little bit less clear about the leadership. That feels like a hierarchy kind of patriarchal structure. Maybe there are conductors who actually their goal is to network with the musicians and form some professional relationships and 
that getting feedback from your musicians is probably a really good thing, right? I would imagine that would help inform you. And if you think of it more as a relationship, but it probably depends on the person, I would say. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I also have the experience, I think we've both had the experience of a conductor who maybe gets a little bit too close with the musicians. Well, yeah. And then they have trouble asserting any kind of authority. I think the question is like, how to form those relationships in a professional way that doesn't become, I'm your friend and you can walk all over me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that's true in any... I would say in any professional field, just walking that line. We just don't have, I mean, if this show is any indicator. <laughs> okay, let me just think about this. 2014 is pre-Me Too, right? 2015 was like big Me Too year. And we have a pretty dirty history of that in our field that still is a problem in a lot of ways. So I think there's a big issue with that in terms of the power structure and just behaving in a normal professional setting is totally different than what it feels like in orchestra. And there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. So it'll be interesting to see how these storylines develop. Yeah. Where are we? Oh, oh, are we at the party yet? Okay. Yeah. So she declines to go to this party with Alex, but then she goes home and her roommate is having a party at her apartment. Yep. Which by the way, for two freelance musicians, I don't know what her roommate does. <laughs> is like a very fancy New York City apartment. Just so unrealistic. She's got like a kitchen. They've got a huge living area, a library situation. They each have their own room. It's unreal. Anybody yeah. who's lived in New York City can tell you that no. you will not afford a place like this on a yeah. freelancer's No, no forget it. <laughs> My sister lived there and she is not a musician. <laughs> she had a real job with benefits and a salary, and so did her roommate. And they split in Midtown like a one bedroom that they had converted half of the living room into another bedroom. And then the living space literally fit a couch and a coffee table and a TV. And that was it. That's all, <laughs> that's all the room they had. And the rent was astronomical. Like, it's so silly. It's just silly. Yes. But, you know, that's not glamorous for TV. So. No, they need space for all the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Never be able to fit a camera. all the cameras into there. <laughs> So she shows up at this party that's in full swing. Mm -hmm. It's like a rager she showed up to at her house. She just thought she was going home to make reads. <laughs> she was trying to make reads. She was trying to go to bed, be rested for her student's recital the next day, <laughs> and be on top of things. But then she gets roped into this crazy competition I called Showdown. I just can't. So it's a drinking game for music nerds. <laughs> I'm, I just want to know if anyone has actually done this. Is this a thing? It certainly was never a thing in my world. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so basically in this game showdown, there's a manufactured board that has like a, a spin the bottle element to it. So in the middle, there's this bottle that you spin and all the way around the board are different genres and periods of music. So there's like romantic and there's Baroque and there's pop and you spin the bottle and you have to like play something. Oh, 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 first you have to take shots and then you have to play something on your instrument. And I don't know what the judging criteria are for this game, but <laughs> she's playing against this flutist who, by the way, looked like he was playing the flute. Yeah, he might have been. Yeah, he really might have been. So one in the column of realistic. What's the roommate's name? Lizzie. Lizzie. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So Lizzie... 
the way she sets up the showdown is like, there is this flute player here, and he is, he knows he can beat you or whatever. Like I can't remember what she said. I was mm-hmm. like, what? What do you mean by that? Beat her at what? They don't even play the same instrument. <laughs> There's a lot of trash talking. So much trash talking. So much like staring each other down while they play. They're like literally facing off from each other with their instruments. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's scored or is it just like the first person to... Because Haley cracks a note. Right. And she cracks a note because guess who shows up? Yeah. That's how she loses. Because Alex shows up and distracts her. <laughs> Alex from the from the bar, the dancer. Yeah, this was the party he was invited. So he to. was apparently <laughs> such a small world, New York City, <laughs> that this dancer was gonna go to this party that Haley didn't even know was happening at her own apartment. And then Lizzie was like, "I want this guy," and it was like too late. <laughs> too late because obviously he's meant for Haley. He's super into Haley. He yeah, only has no, eyes for he her. only has eyes for her. You know what I will say? I heard one thing in this whole episode that I was like, I can get behind this. And it was when Haley was talking to Alex and she was talking about how her whole life is just about running from place to place, trying to make a living, trying to support herself. And that she literally said, none of it is about the art. <laughs> I was like, girl, I feel you. Yes. <laughs> That was such a little kernel of truth. Yes. Yes. That's what makes me hopeful about this show. Fingers crossed. Well, and then so Alex's pickup line. Did you catch it? It was. <laughs> I can't remember. Do your lips hurt after playing like that? Oh. And then he leans in for the kiss. Yeah. I'm like, okay. That's probably a pretty good pickup line for an oboe player. Yeah. I don't know. Right? Yeah. You talk about mouths with brass and wind players. Yeah. Right? What do you talk about with string players? Fingers. <laughs> Does this need an explicit rating? It might. <laughs> As we go along, it might. Okay. All right. So we're, yeah. we're hitting the, the point that we all knew was going to happen is that, okay, it's recital day. Haley's super hungover. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why is Duncan outside? Why are they on the balcony? <laughs> I think that this is at his house, his apartment. Yeah. But why? Are, why? Why are they outside? I don't know. Maybe they're waiting to go on like there's a stage or something. I don't understand the dynamic of this recital situation. Yeah, I don't either. And how is it that she could talk to him like that? She's like telling him to shut up over and over again. <laughs> Saying she's hung over. No. She's just not cut out for teaching. She definitely, I mean, a lot of us aren't. <laughs> She's got to make ends meet. She's got to buy her read materials. It's the truth. But uh, she can't stay because lo and behold, the New York Symphony does auditions by phone call. Hurry up and show up and take your audition. This is not union approved, by the way. Yeah, just going to reiterate, there's no CBA here. <laughs> there's, there's no procedure as to announcing an audition. <laughs> She's like racing to get there. And the panel, who's, who's on the audition panels? <laughs> Okay, so she gets there and well, we, she doesn't get there yet. We see a preview of what's going on in the audition. Another montage, by the way. At least it's blind. Oh, yeah. At least there was a screen. That's true. There was a screen. But it's the conductor and his assistant <laughs> just sitting in the audience. Very problematic dynamic there on multiple levels. <laughs> yes. But he's listening. And look, can I just say I was very triggered because this is literally the nightmare that occurs in your brain 
about what the committee is doing while you're playing. So he's like ordering a sandwich, <laughs> rolling his eyes, putting his head on the table, <laughs> falling asleep. And they all sound lovely. Everyone who's playing sounds lovely. They all sounded great. Yeah. <laughs> and then so Haley shows up, but the auditions have already concluded. And so she's very sad and tearful. But she does what any of us would do if we showed up to, to an audition. <laughs> Utterly ludicrous. That is the word I wrote for this. <laughs> she puts on a tough face. She unpacks her oboe. And she goes to play on stage. Yeah, she just wants the chance to just play a little bit to on no stage. <laughs> There's no, no proctor one. there. Nope. The lights are off. Yeah, she's. she thinks she's missed her chance, but I'm going to play anyway. Yeah. And oh, and Alex left his scarf in there for her. Yeah. Except, how did it get into her oboe case? I don't know. Maybe she was really drunk. <laughs> well, that's true. She was really hungover. Maybe she just left it open after the showdown, and he just snuck over there and like placed his because he had his little note. He left his phone number for yeah, her. Right. Right. So we know there's a future, which was cute. It's like a cute way of hitting on her. Yeah, that was cute. <laughs> or following up, I should say, he already hit on her, didn't he? I'm pro this relationship. I'm Yeah, I'm good with it, too. That's kind of a nice little element of the show. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Rodrigo is full on making out with his assistant. <laughs> Again, super problematic dynamic. So problematic. But he hears from afar. And he's mesmerized. The dulcet tones of Haley's playing. <laughs> and he looks like he's heard the voice of God. <laughs> yes, he's just entranced. So she must get the job, I'm assuming. I assume so. Because that's how this process works. <laughs> yeah. But that's how the episode ends. We don't really know. No. Going to have to wait until next time to find out. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting little uh, adventure we take watching this show. It's going to be really interesting. So, yep. I mean, we're this is a total experiment for us. So please let us know. Do you like it? Do you hate this kind of stuff? Or is it like a guilty pleasure like it is for me and maybe for Liz? We'll drag her along. <laughs> I'm happy to take this road with you, my friend. (laughs) It's a fun little diversion. (laughs) Yes. So like we alluded to, we're going to take a little break right around the holidays in the month of December. So this is the last thing that you're going to hear from us until January when we'll pick up with our normal conversations. Yeah. And can I just say the season has started out so great and we have... 10 more episodes to bring you in the new year, maybe even more depending on opportunities that may or may not come up for us. And so there's so much more to come. But while we take this break, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us, whether it's through downloads or subscriptions, whatever it is. Thank you. And really looking forward to what 2023 will bring. Yeah. So thanks. Happy holidays. Happy New Year! (laughs) Thank you so much for listening today, and thanks also to our season sponsors, Arcrest, Potter Violins, and Aria Lights. Another thanks to Alto Clef Gifts, where you can purchase viola-centric shirts and mugs, and a variety of other fun items featuring our beloved Alto Clef. If you loved today's episode, consider writing us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want the chance to hang with us and have access to behind-the-scenes audio and video recordings, check out our new Patreon. Our episodes are edited by Alex Kuchowski. The Viola-centric theme music was written and produced by J.P. Wogeman and is performed by Steph and myself. Thanks again for listening. Let's talk soon.